tells us the pubs have got to shut? Who tells us we can't go out of our house? Who tells us? It's the government. So I'm looking at Oliver Dowden now and saying, come on, son, step to the plate, put these people in their place, take that money that's going out of the game, stop them at the top doing all of that, and you take governance of it and then tell us where we're going to put it all. And we should all shut up and listen. Otherwise, it's going to go out the game, out the game, out the game. And I wonder if Man United would be pushing for this if they got relegated this year. This game belongs to every one of us. And we have to stamp out selfishness. Make sure we get this right right now. It's absolutely vital that every community feels they're not going to lose their club. Right? I swear to you, it should never happen now. That was Ian Holloway giving you an introduction to Andy's topic, Project Big Picture. Myself and Andy tried to dissect the credentials of this proposal and debate the merits discussed. I started off by asking Andy, given his hate for the Glazers and how United are run currently, what did he think of the proposal? Yeah, it's oh, there's a lot to unpack in that one, isn't it? Yeah. It's um, so it was funny because I remember one of the first articles I did in my blog. I did a thing about the finances of the whole foot, you know, the English mm-hmm. football pyramid, and at the start of the sort of coronavirus stuff, you know, they're estimating that eighty percent of clubs could be, you know, in extreme financial peril. Yeah, um, and you know, the thing. I find is that as much as it's absolutely heartbreaking to see clubs struggle financially and, you know, in some cases go bust, they've, there's been problems in the football league long before COVID rocked up, you know? So if you're, you know, the, the football league clubs are going like, right, you know, we need to be supported. You know, we need money to survive the season. We need money for this. We need money for that, which is all good and well. But when you consider that, you know, there's clubs out there that spend, you know, Sunderland, that's spending like 70, 80% of their turnover on wages. I then wonder why they have a problem. Yeah. You know, there's there's clubs out there like, you know, Bury, Macclesfield, Southend, um, Bolton, yeah. You know, just to name a few examples, they've been shockingly run clubs. Yeah. You know, so if you were to, if if you if you gave any of those clubs an extra couple of million quid and go, there you go, that's you sorted for the next year, what do you think they spend it on? They'd go and spend it on some players. Mm. And what would happen is that you fast forward a year or two down the line, they're still in the same position because they've just spent all that money on players and they're not. They're still not making any more profit because they spent the money that they come in. Uh, you know, they, they spent they spent it as quickly as it came in. So I think with the whole big picture stuff, I think um, now there's been because of COVID salary caps brought into League One and League Two, and you know slightly tighter controls in the Championship. I think they there absolutely needs to be a financial package to put together. Mm. Because it's not the fault of a Wicked Wanderers, it's not the fault of like a, you know, a Stevenage or whatever. It's not their club. It's not their fault that the government have stopped fans coming back. Yeah. You know, personally, I think it's bloody ludicrous that you can have a stadium, an outdoor stadium. You know, even of like a few thousand people, if you go to football league level, yeah. up to you know, tens of thousands at other grounds. And you can't have a few, you know, you can't even have like a thousand fans in there that could easily socially yeah. distance. 
is absolute nonsense. So it's not their fault that they're being potentially pushed to the wall. So obviously when this big picture comes out, you know, one of the aspects of it is that they were going to give £250 million straight away to the Football League clubs and then 25% of profits of broadcasting rights yeah. with a final, with better, with good financial controls. That would 100% secure the future of the English football pyramid. Definitely. You know, um, and... You know, there's no other con- there's no other country with has the population that we do and the sheer amount of professional football clubs. You know, it's a miracle in itself. We have, you know, if you include the national league, a hundred of professional football clubs. Yeah. You know, Germany has got twice the population we do, um, and they don't have that many. No. Exactly. But obviously, the bit you know that Ian Holloway was referring to, and the bit that's really, really kicked up a stink, is obviously the whole power sharing thing. Yeah. Where and that bit, you know, is absolutely ludicrous. Where they've somehow basically gone right all the top six sides and legacy teams. How the <laughs> fuck yeah. work that out? Well, apparently, teams that have been in, been able to stay in the Premier League more often than they haven't, like Southampton, West Ham, West Ham, Everton, and Everton. Yeah. But if you look at when the Premier League started, I mean, Man City are not really a top six club. They just have a shit ton of money, yeah. uh, which makes them that. You know, Tottenham were nothing up until a few years ago. So the whole, you know, the whole, I could see, I can understand the whole cynicism regarding it mm. is literally to concentrate, you know, decisive power within the big six teams. Yeah. And, you know, that's wrong. Uh, the whole one vote, um, for one team is as far as I could tell the best way of working it out you know there's still you know maybe you could argue that a Norwich City are going to have a completely different set of priorities if they're in the Premier League to Manchester United but that's the problem we've got to work with and there there isn't a better system so there you go but yeah you know um, but and that's the main thing I think which likes Holloway anyone would go that's wrong. You can't do that. Yeah. It also brings in the question of, well, if you suddenly can afford to give £250 million straight off, here you go. Why wasn't that done beforehand? Yeah. That's another, you know, sorry, if you've got that much money swimming about, um, you know, you can understand people going like, really? Um and I think the way they tried to do it was quite cynical, is that they know that clubs are going to go to the wall if no financial support comes in. That's it, yeah. Um, and I think it was a very, very, you know, on the one hand, it's a very, very cynical paragraph. But I think if you were to go, actually, all right, let's just scrap that paragraphy bit and give you the money and make that the arrangement going forward, that benefits a football league. Now, I guess, you know, that gives, like, clubs an extra couple of million quid to make sure they survive. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you think, if you gave, you know, the football league clubs 250 million pounds straight away and then 25% of uh, the broadcast revenues, bearing in mind the Premier League made about, I think, 3 billion odd last time, that's a lot of money. So, you know, if clubs were to go the wrong way after that, It'd be nobody else's fault but their own. Um, but yeah, it's a strings attached, which I think is the 
the bit that's really riled people up the wrong way. And I guess it's the other controversial bit is um, the scrapping of the League Cup and yeah. the Charity Shield and the Premier League going down to 18 teams. Now, this is probably where I stick my neck out a bit and go, that's actually not a bad idea. And there is some logic to this. So if you think about the major European leagues, France has just scrapped their League Cup. Germany, Italy don't have one. Um, You know, I think Portugal do, but they're not a hugely major one. But yeah, pretty much most of the major European league have their prime FA FA Cup competition or their equivalent and the league. They don't have a League Cup. It's just not needed. Mm. And, you know, if you look at the league club, all right, you've had some stories like Birmingham winning it and Middlesbrough winning it. Maybe they would feel a bit differently about it. But, you know, you've got championship clubs and league clubs putting in weakened size because they don't want to get relegated from their division or affect their chances for promotion. You've got Premier League size putting out reserves because it's basically an inconvenience to them because they've got, they've got a league game or European game to prefer. Like, there's not a lot of love. No. For the League Cup, as there is the FA Cup, you, you can't tell me at any level of sport, any level of sport that a club has as much love for the League Cup as they, or whatever they decide to call it that season, as they do for the FA Cup. I think it lost its way a few, almost over a decade ago, if I'll be brutally honest. Um, mm. And But it's interesting when you say we, there's not a love for it. Certainly the likes of Mourinho and Pep Guardiola refer to it as their first cup. So actually, you know, from their point of view, it was their first major competition that they won in England and the UK. um, And it stood out as something special to them, right? But granted, I get your perception of actually, do teams really get behind it? Probably not in the same vein. I think the FA Cup, if anything, lost its way a bit as a result as well. Um, Not a lot of team seems to be going for it but then as soon as it was kind of deemed as a reputable competition to win then teams started to take it a bit more seriously um but yeah yeah and i think and that's the thing i think if you got rid of the league cup the FA cup would be more taken more seriously anyway yeah definitely um and i think with the FA cup in recent years the bigger teams do take it seriously like Chelsea, Man City, they always put out stronger squads regardless of the opposition that come up. United tend typically tend to put out a decent squad to do it. So most teams tend to put out an okay squad to compete in the FA Cup. So you know, and if I don't, I don't think you'd see Guardiola or Mourinho as much as it won their, their first trophies. It certainly would be. I don't think you'd see crying about it in the media two days later. Yeah. Because no, they're used to other countries where it's not a thing. So maybe it's a bit of a heartless point of view. But I don't think, you know, it's nice, it's, it's nice to have, but is it essential? No. Um, and with the Premier League, it's, um, I mean, for me, I've always been a big fan of quality rather than quantity. Yeah. Like, I don't necessarily see the big thing that would be wrong with having a 18-team league. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if they do it in Germany, it seems to work fine for them. You know, they have a, a good, is there's generally speaking, a decent standard of teams throughout the league. If you take out the Bayern Munich part of it, which are just a level above, you know, that's not necessarily the worst idea in the world. Um, 
but I could see why a lot of clubs are against it because suddenly, like you know, how do you tell two club two clubs you've been binned at the football league, yeah. <laughs> or, or how do you tell two Premier League clubs that actually you're going to get relegated? It's just you know, every season in the Premier League, you look at the bottom six or seven, and you go, the shit. Or they were lucky <laughs> like, to stay up. Yeah, you look at six or seven teams and gone. You're only you're only in the division because there just happens to be a couple of teams even worse than you are. Um, you know, the likes of Newcastle, the likes of Villa, you know, West Ham. They didn't stay up on the account of being any good. They just no. stayed up on the account of being slightly less shit than <laughs> the other three teams that went down. <laughs> true. Um, you know, but and if it was an 18 team league, it reduces that margin for error, and I think you would get you know, better teams. And also, if you look at it at a wider perspective, you know, at the end of every international tournament, where England inevitably failed in the quarterfinals on penalties or something, yeah. what is the one thing that we always say, our best players are knackered by the end of the season and we always seem to run out of steam? True. You, but you know, there, there was that one season with Sven where they did finish early and they still didn't get or didn't progress any further. So there is that counter-argument to mm. it. What I would want want to do, though, quickly on the League Cup stuff, though, for a lot of um, your league teams, football league teams in particular, that's their great money-spinning opportunity. Granted, yeah. what we're saying here is we're saying you're going to get X amount of money, so therefore that kind of covers it. But thinking more kind of broadly and down the line... That's a alternative cup competition. Personally, if it was me, I'd get rid of the Football League Cup, which has been a joke of a competition down the years. Oh yeah, yeah, I think. And I would just yeah, ref- I've not seen I've not seen any cup. fondness from that. And personally, I've always been of opinion actually, the League Cup should be for those teams that aren't always in those cup, cup competitions. So the likes of sixth place or above are always in Europe, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe the cup competition for the following season should be for those teams that were below six downwards from the Premier League. Yeah, I think that would work. Um, I think ultimately, I mean, the other alternative, I think, is to make the cup competitions a Champions League place. Yeah. A surefire way to improve the reputation of any cup competition if you just went, right, if you win the FA Cup, you win the League Cup, you'll get a Champions League space watch overnight how seriously everybody takes it. Yeah, definitely. Like, don't get me wrong, the same teams will probably win it anyway. Because <laughs> typically with a League Cup, in the FA Cup, you know, the same top six teams win it regardless of whether they particularly went for it or not. But it would make a noticeable difference. I'm just I think... like in my head imaging the likes of Millwall being in the... Uh... Champions League because say they played Man United who are already in a Champions League spot yeah winning the cup but it goes to run up because technically already United yeah like through. if that you if you worked it in that way I think it would add yeah I mean it's a completely out there idea but it would be absolutely batshit mental <laughs> yeah um but yeah so I think with that whole sort of circling back to sort of the project restart stuff I think you know the way of propping up the football league and having better foundations and you know no you know 
a rail one club shouldn't have to worry about how they're going to pay their bills. Definitely not. At the end of there. And as much as I have a complete lack of sympathy for clubs, you know, Sunderland is a big example. Mm. Like everything that's happened to Sunderland is of their own doing. Yeah, certainly has. Like, you know, there is not there's nothing to do with COVID. There's nothing to do with outside influences that has made what the decisions that they've made any better. They're, they're in League One for a reason, and if they're losing a shit ton of money because of COVID, it's because you know they're paying players 10, 20 grand a week to play in League One. That's it. That's it. So, you know, clubs like that, I don't have any sympathy for. But, you know, when you've got, generally speaking, well-run clubs who are going to go to the wall by Christmas, potentially, there is something seriously wrong. Mm. Um, And I think, that's why I think the Premier League have been a little bit reluctant. It's because, well, it's not the Premier League that has stopped football. No. It's the government. Yeah. And it's the government that are acting right now that are doing some absurd things like allowing cinemas to be open, yet their government guideline is don't be in confined space. Even with this tier system, for example, if you're in tier two, you're not supposed to be sharing a house or being with relatives that aren't in your bubble. So therefore football match is technically safer than that environment yet for some reason fans still can't get in and that that's a government thing right that's yeah so thing. you can understand the premier league going well why haven't we uh why are we paying the price for something that's not of our control but i think there were issues long before covid yeah. of club Definitely. you know of clubs generally speaking you know struggling or having to rely on the owner to put their hands in their pockets. Yeah, definitely. You know, there should be a way, you know, like in MLS, for instance, with their extreme salary caps and the way that they, you know, regulate everything. Yeah. I mean, that level of regulation wouldn't work in UK sport, but, you know, the salary cap stuff does, in my mm. opinion. Um, you know, if you go, you can only spend 40, 50% of revenue or spend X amounts on wages. Yeah. It's a very clearly defined level of control. And if you give clubs enough money in order to cover that expense, then you go, well, you've got all the tools you need to survive. Yeah. And then the only difference between one team or another will be things like how many people they could bring in on a match day or how they conduct business and how mm-hmm. they perform on the pitch. No, so there will always be certain teams that do well, typically. But yeah, I think the the giving the football league money a bit of the big picture, great idea. Yeah. Um, you know, the handing power to big six clubs, terrible idea. And I say this as a big six fan myself. Yeah. Um, and the rest of it, I guess, is open to debate. You can make arguments for and against it, but. I think, I think from what I've read, there's been some good bits, like, for example, subsidising of away fans, uh, making sure that away tickets are £20 for a game, yeah. for example. Brilliant idea. If they can implement it, awesome. All for it. And the likes of Dara McAntony, who's a really outspoken Peterborough chairman, he said, look, in principle, a lot of the things that are being talked about in this big picture projects is yeah bang on fantastic brilliant 
there is still that reluctance though from league clubs to kind of back this and I think there's two key elements here first one is Parry who runs the EFL because Rick Parry for a lot of listeners potentially that may know about him he's an ex-Liverpool chief executive he was also one of the instigators of the Premier League and he wanted initially the Premier League to be 18 clubs so again there's that cynicism about what is it in for him because you know what is he in for his own personal gains here and he's the one that's definitely for this so there is that cynicism about how he's reacted with covid for example but also as yeah. a general kind of rule of thumb of being in favor for this so there's that one piece then you've got the second piece for me which is really a detractor is the likes of Teram, i think is his name from man city who suggested b teams being in the lower leagues for example and competing on that level Given that the proposal is the 25% of clubs would make the overall decision for future football, there's that fear factor of will they try and do a model of Spain in the UK? And that would just completely ruin the game in the UK. Yeah, because the UK is not... Again, because of the amount of professional clubs there are in the UK... Mm. It is not feasible. Like, are you really good? You know, if you're looking at the National League, for instance, like, are you really going to d- deny a, a 60, 70, 80 year old established club trying to make their way up a place in the Football League because, you know, Man City B want to play in League Two? Um, but, you know, I guess may you know, in other countries it works because there isn't the infrastructure to have the amount of football professional football clubs that they do so the b teams kind of fill in the gaps yeah you know they have it in spain they have it in germany um and it works for them yeah and they have done it for numerous years you know in, in the german third division and the regional leagues that they have they've had like Bayern munich too or yeah. by uh by leverkusen too and you know, wolfsburg and a few of them have had second mm. teams it's they can't get promoted but it's generally speaking okay yeah. but yeah i think in england it would be a shocking idea and i think that's why and then also i think the other thing that especially newcastle fans have really piped up about is that it's a potential to block takeovers yeah so a lot of Newcastle fans feel as though that the they were the takeover was blocked because the top six clubs were worried about them being powerful. Mm. Uh, I mean, personally, I think it's more to do with their dreadful human rights record and the fact that they stabbed a journalist in their embassy. And you think NASA's got a country taking over a football club, but that doesn't appear to be an argument that they want to listen to, unfortunately. But mm. That's it. You know, it it's um yeah, so I think the whole trying to concentrate power into a select few clubs is very cynical. Definitely, definitely. You know, and there's already a lot of resentment towards so called big six clubs as it is. Mm. You know. Um no, you know, nobody outside of Manchester United likes Manchester United fans too much. Uh nobody particularly likes Manchester City, Chelsea. Tottenham or Liverpool fans particularly much either and I know there's a lot from a few people I know you know who are fans of 
non-top six clubs, there's a lot of resentment for them because yeah. they act entirely self-interest. So that would just exasperate it. Um, I, mean, I think the whole big picture thing has been shot down in its current form. Currently, as it stands, we're, we're talking about it, but it has been shot down. But I think, I mean, ultimately, it was a proposal. Like, it wasn't really a final draft. So, so I think... Um, yeah, there could be room to know, bring it back in. It's not the last we've heard of it, I think, put it that way. I think yeah. it's by no means... I think that discussion is one that will rumble on for a while. I think all that leaked information has done is just brought it out into the open yeah. of what's probably been discussed by behind closed doors for years. Um, you know, I think football in its current way, the, the whole COVID situation has shown that the way English football is run at the moment is unsustainable. Definitely, yeah. You know, the parachute payments, a lot of championship clubs hate. Yeah, because you know, if you think about it, you've come up, you've come up by from League One, yeah, by having an absolutely brilliant manager who's got absolutely every inch he can out of players at his disposable, as his disposal, and you know, you got a takeover, which you know just about secured yeah, the club itself, yeah. really. Yeah, like it was literally that go level, yeah. like. You know, that is an example of a club where, despite it being run to the best of its ability, simply wasn't able to function in the long term because of the conditions that they're competing in. And if you look at the championship, why should you get 90, you know, £125 million over three years for basically being shit? And that's one of the proposals, right? It would eliminate that completely. That's where that's where the yeah, because that's where most of that money comes from. Yeah. It goes well. Everybody in the championship gets an even amount of income. Yeah, and do that. And if you get relegated, having spent a hundred million pounds, like Fulham and Aston Villa did, fine. You're just gonna have to sell all your players then. Yeah, if you're lucky to get that amount recouped, right? Yeah, and but that'll make clubs think twice about. Spending what they level. how how they recruit and ultimately it creates better decision making yeah. uh you can't just be reckless of it so i think even if they just change the parachute payments i went right let's just distribute that to the rest of the championship and a bit more to league one or league two i think that would make a difference mm, it'd be interesting you know, certainly uh, i mean on the reverse side of it they're also proposing that the potentially the third placed from the bottom team could go into a playoff with the team that's trying to come up from the championship. Now, that kind of model kind of is more of a Dutch and German sort of league-wise. They've, they've done it. Um, I'm not too keen on that, if I'll be brutally honest, just purely because I feel like that's really defeating for that team that is aspiring to get promoted. You wouldn't have those maybe Blackpools coming into the Premier League off the back of that because potentially they'd be overpowered by whoever is in that third place, you know, from the bottom. Yeah. And just that I can get why they are introducing that idea because it'll be a great money spinner, that's for sure. Um, a day out for potentially the fans at Wembley for uh, having a really bad season. That sounds even absurd as well. But, but I think it would be an interesting dynamic because, you know, you have that. Because if you're a team that's finished in 16th, 
you've largely or 17th or whatever the way yeah. they propose it say 16th if you change the league around you know you've, you've basically been shit most of the season you've lost 20 to 25 odd games mm. and you're just somehow lucky that there are two teams even worse <laughs> so when you go into a playoff having basically spent the whole season being battered yeah. and you come up against a team that have um, you know albeit a sixth place championship team but they've won five six seven games on the bounce I think is actually a leveler because a team that's not very good I will be used to playing a team used to winning more often than they don't mm. I think that's it adds an interesting dynamic but again I think it's one of those like the current system as it is is fine yeah and there is a necessity to change it I think that's uh changing something for the sake of it without really achieving anything yeah really you know i think i think maybe i think i think the only thing it does really is protect a potentially big club gives them a second chance of being bailed out and going down you know i think hamburg in germany got away with it for years just by somehow slacking it off at the turning um, up for the last two games, essentially, literally turning up for two games a season and somehow staying up. And in the end, they went down anyway. Um, But yeah, I think, you know, again, we're not a country that's been accustomed to that model. Um, I don't think it's needed. No, it's just not a necessity. Like it's just doing something for the sake of doing it. And again, as I said earlier, you don't achieve anything. Mm, Definitely. And I just the other point I I picked out anyway personally was the fact that teams could choose eight live games for themselves to get fans to pay for through their own sort of channels, so through their own fat or club TV channels essentially. Um, so it was kind of a we can gain extra revenue from it. Um, again, it just feels like. Is it not enough that you're already charging fans X amount? Oh, the whole, I mean, the whole pay-per-view thing is, that is absolutely ridiculous. Fourteen ninety-nine or whatever it was for like, like games right now. And it could be yeah, like I mean, Burnley versus, I don't know, Fulham, for example. Well, one of the first games, oddly enough, United's next game against Newcastle. Like, I'm not being funny. I'm not, I'm not paying 15 quid. No. Well, they're already paying 25 quid for a now sports TV thing for a month to watch Steve Bruce park <laughs> 10, man, 10 men behind the ball and hope he gets a fluky goal on the break. An extra 15 quid, you know that. I think the difficulty with it is, is one, we've been used to having it for free. Yeah. Because that was one of the conditions of the government letting football back um, is that, you know, you, you make games available. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and personally, I think the way t- the way the games are broadcast at the moment is due for a huge shake-up. Yeah. So I think the way it is at the moment is outdated. Mm. You know, I think the three o'clock blackout is outdated. You know, I saw a tweet earlier that somebody in, say, Australia mm. could pay... Like, I think a couple of hundred quid all season to watch every single game of their team play. Right. But in England, you can't. No. And I know why it was done, because obviously it was to protect the attendances 
of lower league clubs. Mm. But, you know, it's um, I don't think there'd be a huge amount of difference. If you're a diehard Wickham fan like yourself, you know, and say if you went to every game, I don't think you'd stop going to every game because Man City were well, because you don't support Man City, no. you support Wickham. Exactly. So therefore you go and watch them. Yeah. Um, so I don't think that'll make a huge amount of difference. But yeah, I think with that, I think Sky have far too much Stranglehold control. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, if you said to football fans, pay an extra five quid on top of your Amazon Prime or Netflix mm. and watch all the football you want, they'd do it. Yeah. You know, if you look at the NBA as a different sport or, you know, the American sports, they have season passes for their team. Yeah. You pay a tenner a month to watch every single game of your team play. That's worth it. Yeah, and you would definitely. make just as much money doing that, if not more, than you if you consider the global appeal of a Premier League, than you would do in its current model. Yeah. You know, definitely. I think that's the way it should go. Like, as a fan, you should have the right to be able to watch every game that that team plays. Mm-hmm. Um, no. Yeah, I think... The way it's done at the moment, I think paying £15 per game is absolutely ludicrous. Like, fuck me, if, if I'm going to pay £15 a game, like, I might, I might as well just fuck off to Germany and watch a game and get a plane back. Yeah, it'd be more enjoyable, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that's just a shameless money grab yeah. from... Skyd. Sounds like a Daniel Levy kind of tactic. Yeah, really. it's like let's charge them. Like, is it, am I right in saying that the EFL doing it for season ticket holders that can't attend games are paying like is it like a fiver or a tenner or something like that? So uh, I think it's roughly about fourteen quid, something or a tenner, roughly depending on the team. But what they're doing for season ticket holders, if you purchase a season ticket holder giving you a code to give you free access to watch the game itself so that's kind of semi-decent when you consider clubs you you might have spent 300 quid right to watch a team for a whole season so it's not yeah. terrible and i think you know the sense. general view is that you know i think if it was like a fiver or something like that i think it's probably people would pay it but 15 quid, when people yeah. are already paying for Sky, people are already paying for BT, you know, people are paying for like Amazon Prime already, and then go, oh, let's pay, 50, we're going to make you pay 15 quid. And I think the teams that it affects are the ones that don't get shown on TV too often. But yeah. the dark side, I think, is what will happen is I think the Premier League are testing it. Now, this is just a theory as opposed to anything based on fact, mm. is that they're doing it as a theory that what's to stop them going, actually, United and Liverpool are playing, we're just going to charge 15 quid. This is it. Then you find yourself in a situation where the top games, like, you know, like in boxing, yeah, the top games are pay-per-view mm. events only. Which is just damaging. And that, you know, especially when in an environment where you've got people losing their jobs and, you know, people really struggling, you know, financially, mentally, then go, oh, yeah, pay 15 quid to watch your team play. I think it's just horrible. Yeah, completely, completely. And I don't think, 
there's elements of this bigger picture project that has been looked at in great detail. They haven't got, it doesn't feel like they've had the consensus of, do you know what? These are a set of principles that we're proposing. We'd like to get some feedback. It's more of, here's a proposal. We want you to vote on it. And then we'll see what happens thereafter. And a lot of the ideas seem very American franchise. Ironic that it comes from John Henry and the American, the American owners, owners yeah. United, for example. Um, and yeah, it just smacks of like a sense of arrogance as well, because they are obviously also, we, we haven't alluded to it, but they're kind of saying, we take away the charity shield, we take away the League Cup, but actually we can do our pre-season tours around the world, for example, to make us some extra money at the same time. And that, I don't know about you, but I think they're the biggest waste of time ever because you're just doing it for sponsorship, nothing more. Even the players can't be asked when it comes to those. Oh yeah, most most of the fans over here can't be asked if a preseason friendly. Yeah, it's like I don't bother just... tracking how a team or how like even if my team say Wickham Wanderers was to play in Wales, I wouldn't be that fast. I'll be honest. I'd be more like, okay, what's the trialist's name? What what was he like? That was about it. That's all I would care about. Yeah. Whereas these preseason tours are all about, oh, here we happen to have a Vietnamese player that is part of our youth team. Let's put him in the first team just to get some sales shirts. Um, it's yeah, it's bonkers. Yeah, it's just yeah. I've never been a big fan of that. Like, I'd rather like Man United play. You know your local teams, like I'd yeah. rather than just play like you know. I remember the every now and then they go over to Ireland and play a few of the local teams <laughs> yeah. around there. Milk, milk they've got a big, yeah, they've got like a big Irish following. Uh, I think or go to Scotland or something like that. And I think um, that would have been better. But you know, I guess as a United fan, I sort of go, well, it is what it is. It it creates revenue, you know, it, in indirectly contributes to um, being the size of club that we are. It's just like a necessary evil. I think I kind of see it. Mm. It's like, do I like it? Maybe not. But at the same time, you know, if you're a fan of a, if you're a fan, you know, as I said, right at the start of our conversation, if you're a fan in like India, Australia, um, who watch their club on TV, and you get that chance once every couple of years to go and see your heroes. From from their point of view, that is an opportunity of a lifetime. Yeah, that they'll never never forget. So as much as there's a very cynical money making exercise out of it, I think it does have. There's also that side of it as well. Because mm. uh, you know, football is a global game at the end of the day, and the Premier League is a globally watched sport. Um, so I think to a level some of those fans who contribute towards being English football being what it is do deserve a chance to see the heroes, you know, even if it is like a cynical money-making opportunity and the games are shit. (laughs) (laughs) But from a fan point of view, that's kind of where I come from on that one. I I don't know about you. It just feels so weird that we're having to uh, rely on a Premier League proposal to potentially bail out league clubs when it should be the government that should be putting some actions into place. It's one of the things that raises more questions than it answers, doesn't it? It's just like, you know, 
why aren't the government burning out league clubs? You know, how how have league you know how come the structure's been in place for so long that has allowed league clubs to get into the position that they are? Like, how could football be so fragile that a couple of months where things don't go to plan can send the club to a wall? Yeah. But there's been a dog-eat-dog culture in English football where we don't give a fuck what you do. do what, Here's the money. Do what you need to do kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's um, and then you get examples of what, you know, as much as I've said there's been some shockingly run club in the football league, at the end of the day, the football league let them in in the first place. Yeah. And then, so not only do they let bad owners in to run a football club, which we're nobody's fit to run a football club, mm. you know, they then fine them and deduct them points for, anyway. Yeah. Which affects people whose fault it wasn't in the first place. Exactly. It's just like, you know, you look at like, I remember like Southend and Macclesfield, they're two examples, both Sol Campbell managed clubs, <laughs> poor bloke. Like every single month, they're not paying their players or there's a delay in wages. And that's been going on for like two, three, four years. Yeah, it's ridiculous. You know, at, at, what, at what point do you go actually, you know, sort, sort your shit out? Or we need to intervene. Yeah. And that's what we do a little bit better in places like Germany, for instance. Mm. There's regular financial checks of what you're doing. Yeah. So you don't have unchecked clubs going four or five years or just going down a hole. Um, and, you know, their the clubs are slightly better protected in that way. Yeah. But yeah, rather than docking clubs 10 points because their owner's a fucking idiot, they should be going like, right, if you don't sort your stuff out by the end of the season, you've got to sell the club. Yeah. The problem will be, though, is in examples like Macclesfield, is who would go and buy that club from that particular owner and would he be unreasonable in terms of what he wants for the club? Yeah, and that's and that's where the conditions that, you know, of English football needs to change. I think if you're a businessman... You're able to me in in outside of football. You go into business to make money. Yeah. Or at the very very least, break even, depending on if you're a more ethical yeah. kind of business Definitely. or is involved in a social enterprise. You would describe football as a social enterprise that, you know, is primarily for the people, but it still needs to balance its books. Yeah. And, you know, if you're a businessman and you know that you're going to get a certain amount of money from the EFL or the Premier League or whatever, you know that wages are capped at a certain amount and so you know what you're going to have coming in and what you, you're going to have going out you can, uh, you you have more businessmen coming into football or women yeah, whatever, uh, going into football because they know that they're not necessarily going to have to put huge amounts of money into it No, and that's what and I happens, think that's right yeah, if you if you but right now, if you want to take over a badly performing football club like you know I say that South End that's still plodding mm. along, you're gonna have to put in three, four, five million pound just to survive the season. Yeah, and then the same again for another three, four, five years. Yeah, you know because mm. the amount of money they get coming down is nothing. Yeah. 
I mean, I've done like lower league saves of football manager. Well, all right, that's not a complete comparison to football, <laughs> to real life. Yeah. But you go from getting like a few hundred K for, for like um, distribution funds or whatever you want to call it from the Premier League. Yeah. You go, that, that's like, what? That's not even half my wage bill Yeah. for a lower, you know, a lower budget club. I know, I know. And to be fair, Football Manager isn't that far off. <laughs> to be fair, by all accounts, um, some clubs are pretty accurate when it comes to it. But yeah, I, the problem you've got, though, generally is like, how do you curb a problem that's been endemic in the sense of it's been going on for probably decades? We're not just talking about just a couple of seasons. Do you know what? There's some clubs that have been just carrying on in that same vein. I mean, the likes of, say, just our local rivals, Oxford United, for example, I think they're still leasing the grounds. They're leasing the Sam Stadium because they obviously were owned by Fizzros Kazam, I think is his name officially. And uh, yeah, he built the stadium when he owned Oxford, but then decided he's not going to give it to Oxford as an asset. He's going to rent it to them. And do you know what? That's what they're stuck with. They're having to fork out for the stadium. Luckily, they're in a position where I think over the last two years, they've been able to get a backer, a really wealthy backer, and he's bankrolling them right now. So they are in a position where they are making money, I suspect, anyway. Um, but again, it just every club is individual in terms of their finances, what their issues are. And by all accounts, there's clubs right now that if they don't get the help right now in, in terms of immediate kind of fixing right now, they could be bankrupt by November because they won't be able to pay the wages of their staff. And that includes footballers. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. It's just because, you know, I, think, I guess there's a culture of uh, what if in football, especially yeah. English football. Championship clubs will overspend because they know if they get to the Premier League they'll make that money back you know um, and you know League League One clubs will overspend because they're desperate to get into the Championship because again not quite as big a difference but it's still significantly better Mm. um, income stream for doing it so they'll you know speculate to accumulate and that's and that that speculate to accumulate thing is, is a typical English football mentality. It's not let's save some money for a rainy day. They go, oh, if we spend X amount of money on a player, you know, he can get us promotion. Yeah, and that that's that's that money saved. That's a perfect world. We don't live in a perfect world. No. Like, do you remember that? Um, did you ever watch that Sunderland documentary? Yeah, Sunderland until I die. die. Yeah, and you know. They got mugged off over signing uh, Will Grigg. <laughs> but that was just the owner then, uh, Donald Stewart, being but an absolute arse. There's, that's the thing. They just caught that shit on camera. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably not that different to a lot of owners out there who've got that mentality of, I'm going to spend money we don't really have because there's a possibility it could do it. It's basically gambling. And if you and if you if you gamble, you you know you lose more than you win. 
typically. And I think that's yeah. the kind of mentality that English football need to get out of. And, uh, you know, until there's really, really tight salary regulations matched with mm-hmm. an income that even a lower budget club can survive on, then nothing will change. Because we're still, you know, if you give clubs loads of money without yeah. any checks or balances of how they could spend it, you'll still be in the same situation as two years' time because they're still overspent on wages and transfers. They've just done it with more money than they had before, but they're still in the same situation. So, you know, a combination of the two needs to happen. You can't have a shit ton of money without um, knowing where it's going to go, and you can't have um you can't have like a salary cap which would be pointless if a club can't get the income to get up to that point anyway i mean it's interesting you brought up the sunderland piece because by all accounts um when donald stewart originally bought the club off ellis short it's believed that there was a principal agreement that he would sell it to him based on the fact that he would clear the depths of that club now, how much of those debts is actually cleared is questionable right now because it seems like we're having this um, period of time at Sunderland where he went through a phase of refusing refunds during COVID for season ticket holders and, um, you know, was just doing his utmost to ensure that he didn't have to fork out or pay any money out. And that's where... That's just one piece of that Donald piece where they've just kind of really hated what he's done. And it's, I feel sorry for the bloke in some respects because he, he did come across as intentional in terms of his desire to make Sunderland successful again. Yeah, I think he's probably just taken on the job too big, I yeah. think, is one of those things. I mean, I think the COVID, the whole COVID stuff really, I think, showed people for who they were and club owners Definitely. for who they were yeah like you 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 know as much as i criticize manchester united when it came to the corona stuff they were faultless they didn't further any of their staff they paid their casual match day staff um you know they fed kids marcus rashford fed even more kids like as a club mm. from top to bottom they got that right yeah Whereas you look at, you know, Tottenham, if it wasn't for a fans backlash, Daniel Lee would have furloughed all their staff. Yeah. Yeah. Having despite opened a very expensive NFL slash football stadium. Yeah. And they secured a loan with the stadium as well with the government. Yeah. How? Yeah, exactly. Like they absolutely rinsed it. And I think he only got the loan from the government because he would have got it at a lower interest rate if it wasn't for than they would have they would have done if it was for COVID. Yeah. That was a very sort of cynical move there. So yeah, like, you know, Mike Ashley is another one. Yeah. Um you know, when, when everyone goes it could be worse. Well there's your example. <laughs> it's um I mean he yeah, I mean he will sell his own grand if it's if it saved a few quid. Like that's the kind of bloke he is. Yeah, and comes with a sports direct mug, right? Yeah. <laughs> the fat mug that he always gives for free with every bloody purchase. Yeah, he yeah, he'll give away his grand in a sports direct bag. 
<laughs> that's like, you know, that's how desperate he would be to save some money. Um, but yeah, I think I think all COVID has done is just speed up what was, it's just really sped up the inevitable in English football mm. because, you know, the signs have been there for years that, especially below the Premier League, it's not sustainable the way, the way they do things at the moment. Definitely not. Like Villa, very, very Villa would very close to going bust. Do you remember a couple yeah. of years back? Like they're very, very close to going bust because they didn't get promoted that first season. Um, yeah. They got relegated and they're bricking it until they got yeah. taken over. Um, you know, I think QPR or another one that diced. Yeah, they pretty bit. much. Yeah, they bankrolled that promotion, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, thankfully, they, for their point of view, they were only managed to turn it round and be a bit more sensible. Um, but yeah, clubs do it. Like Middlesbrough have done it. Like they're typically a well-run club, but because of the whole parachute thing, they went mental in trying to get back up. Yeah, yeah. You know, I remember James in in the podcast of Middlesbrough. Yeah, you know. Like I remember doing a minutes for save, minutes for save a football manager. They're paying Rudy Gustad thirty grand a week. Yeah, and that's insane. Like, uh, sorry, whatever. Make making a decision like that, you need a slap. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure there was other players in there that probably were earning very similar sums. I imagine Stuart Downing wasn't cheap either. No, I don't think. Not to my knowledge, no. Um, so yeah, I think you just need to get rid of rid of parachute payments distribute the money evenly um yeah certainly when it comes to league one and league two and give clubs a chance yeah so i think that's every club at that level all i think all anybody or any football fan deserves is a chance to compete yeah and i think english football as a whole has an obligation to give teams that chance Mm. now you're still going to get disparity. You still, you know, Sunderland are going to have an inherent advantage because they can attract, they've got a 45,000 seat stadium. Mm. So they're never to be going to be able to attract more revenue and better players. Definitely. You know, the same as like when Leeds are in the championship, you know, same clubs like Ipswich who are still in League One or Bolton, you know, in League Two at the moment. There'll be certain clubs that are still have a slight competitive advantage over to others but the gap is narrowed you know there'll be more focus on getting it right on the pitch so you know because Wickham you know they've probably they've not they've not fought on a level playing field realistically have they not really when it comes to it we've we're probably one of the lowest in terms of wage spend certainly for this season Um, we were rumoured to be in the bottom half for last season and granted, the takeover happened, so we got some extra money, but we weren't in the top 10 by any means. We were still around, hovering around that bottom in terms of wage spends as well. And even right now, when we're talking about COVID, even our current owners, the Koehigs, they've kind of reflected and said, you know what, we're, we're lucky we got promoted because that extra money... We haven't like spent a lot of it. We've done what we had to do with it, which is do the necessary um, changes to comply with the championship level. But we haven't spent massive amounts on wages or players. We've 
largely kept most of the team that kept or got us up. And uh, yeah, they still speculate if it carries on like this, then, you know, eventually there comes a point where they, they would struggle as well. And yeah, you know what? And that's from someone that's trying to run a club sustainably. So that shows you there's something wrong. Yeah, exactly. And it's, yeah, you know, the fact that there's been no football for over six months now. Yeah. You know, admittedly, I genuinely thought six months ago that we'd have got on top of it by now. Fans would be back in ground, we'd be looking forward to Christmas. And we're now at the point where is the Euros going to happen even next year? I don't think it will. That's that's where my head and a lot of people's heads are at. And we're talking next June. Yeah, scary. Like, yeah. And it's, you know, certainly in this country, it's just like people from all walks of life, not just football, but in the arts and hospitality have all been affected because the government couldn't get their shit together. Um, You know, keeping on the football theme. Yeah. If somebody doesn't do something any time soon, clubs will go bust. And I feel as though it's a really cynical game of chess. You know, the Premier League are waiting for the government to do something. The government are waiting for the Premier League to do something. Mm. But in in the all whilst all of these games are happening, I mean it's probably harsh, shouldn't really call it games, but while all of this shithousery is happening up above, all the clubs down below are like, Well, help. Yeah. Literally. For every for every week a decision isn't made or support isn't given, that's another week closer to going bust. Yeah. That's it. You know. That's it. And we are well, you know, what, at that point, aren't we? Yeah, what's going to happen? You know, what's going to happen? Like, if we get to, I mean, I think they're saying like March is probably going to be the next benchmark of when fans might come back, which is too too long. That's you're two thirds into a season at that point. Yeah, which means potentially what you've got roughly about twelve to fifteen games then left of the season potentially. By yeah. Then. Like the only way I could see a club lasting the season at the moment, at say League One or League Two level, is if they could somehow survive to the FA Cup, get a decent round, draw, yeah. get the TV money. That's the only way I could see organically a club being able to survive the season. Yeah, but even then, that's there's no replays, right? There's no replays, yeah. so they can't. They got to hope they're playing away to a Premier League club, and even then, they wouldn't get the sums of money that they potentially would have got if it was a full stadium. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think anybody at any level can agree that somebody needs to do something. I mean, personally, even in these current conditions, I still don't understand how fans can't go. Yeah. To a game, it's like I I've been playing six aside football, no yeah. problem at all. Yeah. It's fine for me to do it, but you can't have, you know, a hundred people spread out. Uh, it's just like, I mean, how big's Wickham Stadium? 10,000. And what's your average gate normally? Average gate would be between sort of five to six on a good day. You know, we get, we can get like against your bigger clubs, 8,000 potentially, because the way end is 2,000, for example. So, but yeah. so with social distancing, you could easily get 
a third 3,000, couldn't you? Easily spread across that stadium. Easily. Yeah. And that, that's what I think is the most frustrating thing, not just for Wickham, but for all clubs, um, whether you're in League Two or the Championship, that we should be able to at least say 25% spread across that stadium. Um, and I was speaking to someone the other day about the government fear around that is how they kind of congregate or how they evacuate a stadium. Well, it's quite easy. You kind of do it bits and drabs at a time and sort of leave a two-metre distance, right? I think that's emblematic of... um, I mean, I didn't think I'd go sort of political on a podcast, but I think that's emblematic of the government's attitude towards football and towards a working-class sport. Because let's be honest, um, you know, especially in this country... This has been really stereotypical, but the Conservative government have never really had had any fondness for football in any way, shape or form. If you go back to the late 80s, they couldn't wait to ban clubs for competing in Europe, you know, despite the times, you know. And you feel this is really cynical, but if you, I feel as though that if it was rugby clubs going to the wall, they'd act differently. Yeah. In fact, they're, treat, they're, they're, they're treated differently anyway because fans can go to football-sized grounds and drink. And yeah, they are. Do all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But you don't hear anybody talking about, oh, what if fans congregate outside the stadiums and stuff like that. I think it's a very snobbish attitude towards a working-class sport in, in, you know, by the government mm. is why they're not really enamoured to help us out in any way yeah and that was you kind know. of very clear with horse racing being quite quick to come back into its uh sports you know they were allowed to carry on and that was back in what may june towards the yeah. end of it that that was shocking even then well i mean the cheltenham festival was allowed to happen just before the pandemic yeah. just before covid when people were literally going what the fuck are you doing but this is like a Cheltenham. And loads of people got COVID from it. That was brilliant. Yeah, what a shock. Yeah, what a shocker. But yeah, I think it doesn't help that, you know, if you look at, say, I don't know, Germany, for instance, they happen to have a, um, a leader who understands the importance yeah. of football to the people. Not just football, but just generally how to deal with well, the pandemic, just, right? Yeah, I mean that's I mean that's a, for me that's a whole different podcast altogether, isn't it? But you know, you can tell the difference between countries that understand the importance of outdoor sports to people's mental health, and you know, because there's that element to it as yeah. well. Like, you know, I struggled during lockdown. I thought a lot of people did because of that whole sort of thing of not been able to watch football on yeah. a Saturday or Sunday or not been able, there's no match of a day. There's like, you suddenly find there's like a huge void of time. <laughs> yeah, but being stuck indoors as well during that yeah. period was just like, it, you could maybe get away with a day, but for some people, that length of period was just, 
prison like a prison for them it was just horrible but i coped i coped with it by uh playing far too much call of duty and far too much football manager which um you know probably on maybe go maybe put on a little bit of weight and didn't really impress my girlfriend but (laughs) you know you do what you need to do to get through lockdown (laughs) but yeah yeah exactly um but um yeah i mean that's how i got gateshead promoted from the national league north to the premier league if it wasn't for (laughs) lockdown i wouldn't have uh, committed myself to a project like that um (laughs) but yeah i think you know it's um you know i think it all boils down to the fact that clubs are going to suffer because of the bad decision making of people outside of even their bloody sport and I think that's probably the saddest thing about yeah. it, isn't it? And that's why, you know, it, it all links, you know, that's why the EFL clubs are giving their backing to the big picture because they're fucking desperate for the money. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's getting to the yeah. point where probably, if you said to most chairmen, like, they're, they're probably like, fuck it, do whatever, as long as we get the money to survive. Like, that's how desperate it's getting. Definitely, definitely. You know, is another and I think the question that needs answering like really is how many clubs they're willing to let go bust before they do something and that could be a scary is it one club is it is it two clubs is you know do we let five six seven clubs go bust before someone pulls their finger out yeah because that's what we're looking at at the moment and you know that's a, a game that shouldn't even need to be played but it feels like it is. Yeah. I mean, certainly the impression is um, there's going to be at least 10 that could potentially be up the wall by the end of November. Yeah. At least. And that's across different divisions. It's not just like one particular league. It's across divisions because they just, yeah, they bankroll too much. Yeah. It's it's scary, isn't it? It's just like, you know, and what, and what competitive, you know, it's going to be shit for the competitions if you suddenly go back to playing in a few months time with crowds and you're in a, you suddenly division is like five teams short yeah uh, yeah i think let if, i think the whole sort of laissez-faire approach isn't going to work in this case no definitely not you know it doesn't work currently for the government does it, it well, it doesn't work for the government. It, you know, football is not really working at the moment either, is it? No. And, you know, I think what are the EFL going to do if 10 clubs go bust? They are going to have some really awkward things to do with how, what do you, what, what do, you do with relegation for the next couple of years? What do you do with promotion? Yeah. How do you, you know... You could feel one team going out of the league. We did it with Macclesfield last year, didn't they? Well, or Berry last year, sorry. Yeah. Berry last year. Only, you know, fine, they just had one less relegation spot. They could deal with that. Nobody's really affected. But, but what it if it's a huge issue as well, because ironically, the time Wickham Wanderers were supposed to be playing, we dropped out of that playoff spot. And that forever was the talking point for why Wickham Wanderers shouldn't be in the uh, playoff mix. But you'd played less hilarious. games though, hadn't you? played less games compared to the rest. But it's, you know what? Fans are fickle. They just go, we weren't in that spot by the time it was closed off. 
which is just goes to show you like some fans just don't think logically. But yeah, it's one of those like if you're in a certain sorry, but with the championship, well, the league seasons is 46 games long. Yeah. If after 35, 36 games, you're in a certain position, you deserve to be there. Which is true. But this it, is the whole argument was it's what was concluded essentially was points per game. And even then, it just riled a lot of fans, in particular Sunderland and uh, Peterborough fans. Who, oh, yeah. But obviously, in a well, Peterborough were in a better or more favourable position than, say, Sunderland. But yeah. And Sunderland again, would have backed themselves to get enough points to at least get in the playoffs, wouldn't they? Probably. Uh, but then they would have still chucked it in the playoff final if they'd reached it. Yeah. They just don't do very well at Wembley, right? Yeah, but exactly. But then again, if the argument that nobody could ever come up with was, okay, what's the alternative to points per game then? Well, this is it. This is the thing. And I, I think there was a whole sort of non void argument. Yeah. Um, which, as from a joking point of view, I was kind of down for that if we stopped Liverpool winning the league. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, this is what Wicked Wadger uh, supported initially, but it just didn't get the backing of the other league clubs. So... Because yeah, because it it, it that creates its own, own own level of problems, doesn't it? Yeah. But I think that's one of the things that's being agreed between league clubs at the moment is how, if they need to stop a season again, what happens? How next? do you finish it? Yeah, I mean personally, I think put the points per game. If you go two thirds of the way for the season, I think points per game is the fairest way. Unfortunately, to do it, really. yeah. And even if it, meant... you know, all right, it's harsh, yeah. but you know. There's so is a global pandemic where everyone's dying. Thanks to Andy for sharing his views on the big picture project. Sure you'll agree, it shouts for the need of the government to act fast. We hope you've learned some points from the show. We'll be sharing some exciting news shortly, so please keep an eye out on our social media pages in the coming few days. In the meantime, thank you for listening and help spread the word of the Hopeless Wonder podcast. For now, adios. Thank you.